Good evening. Uh, some years ago, Brother Cecil Cartwright uh, recounted a, a story, uh, an encounter that um, he experienced in an elders' meeting uh, one time where uh, those elders' meetings were often got a little out of hand. And uh, that particular meeting really got heated. And uh, there, there was a heated exchange between two, two of the, the men and one of them got up and rolled up his sleeve, and he says, Boy, you lucky this fist saved. <laughs> but uh, based on the kind of tongue lashing that was done at that meeting, obviously no tongues were saved. What we want to talk about tonight is the power of the tongue. And all of us have been stung by it at one particular point or another, haven't we? Or we have known of individuals who have been absolutely devastated by the power of this little creature called the tongue. One word out of your mouth may not seem like, oh, a lot. But sometimes we do not realize the kind of damage that uh, it can accomplish. Sometimes we never even imagine what can happen as a result of the way we use our tongues. It's a powerful little creature. Remember, it only takes a small spark to get a forest fire going. I remember there was a little fire that started uh, down in the south, and uh, before we knew it, it, it grew into a huge forest fire and, and kept all of us up all night watching it, make sure it didn't do any damage uh, to the facilities. But it only takes a spark, and before you know it, a forest fire erupts. A careless word, misplaced word, can do the same kind of damage. By our speech, we can, we can turn a person's life upside down. We can throw a truckload of mud on a person's reputation, all by the simple use of the tongue. And, uh, and so when we look at James chapter 3, if we turn there in our Bibles, James tells us a little bit about the tongue. And what I like about James is that James doesn't deal very much about doctrinal issues, James deals with issues in terms of practical living. James gets right down to earth and he deals with the practicality of living this Christian life. And so James is a very practical book. If, you, if you're looking at how you are to live this Christian life in, a, in an effective way. And so James is very practical when he says the tongue is like a spark. It's an evil power that soils the rest of the body. It just dirties the rest of the body is what James is saying, and sets the person's entire life on fire with flames that come out of the pit of hell itself. That's where the tongue gets its power, you know. The destructive power of the tongue comes from a place that we should not really be acquainted with, the pit of hell itself. And James says all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures can be tamed and have been tamed. Man has had the ability to tame some of the most vicious creatures in the animal kingdom. But he says, our tongues get out of control. They are restless and evil and always spreading deadly poison. Always, he says. And so he says, my dear friend, speaking to believers, he's not talking to the unregenerate, he's not talking to the ungodly, he's not talking to the fellows who hang out in the bar rooms, or in the liquor stores, or those little places we see along the street. He's talking to believers. But he says, my dear friends, with our tongues we speak both the praises and curses. We praise our Lord and Father, and we curse people who are created in the image of God. Created to be like God, created 
to be like God. And that's why Solomon says also that death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. And those who love it, he said, eat its fruit. Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're either fruit. And we choose which they will be in our lives, as well as what kind of impact they will be in the lives of other people. Whether they're going to be fruitful in the lives of other people, or whether they're going to be deadly poison in the lives of other people. So you and I have the power of life and death in our hands for ourselves, but also for other individuals that we come in contact with who hear what we have to say. But not only was James practical when he talks about the use of the tongue, but there was another fellow who was described as the wisest man who ever lived, who also said a lot of things about the tongue and how it's used. And his name was Solomon. And so what we want to do tonight, briefly, is look at a couple of Proverbs, and we're going to look at all Proverbs, so we're going to do a little bit of Bible jogging tonight. And uh, so I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs, beginning with chapter 10. We want to look at a couple of Proverbs that describe four patterns of speech that people have a tendency to use consciously as well as unconsciously throughout the goings and comings of our daily lives. Two of them are positive and two are negative. Two are good. Two are two that we should ascribe to use and to, be, to have a part of our, of our lives. But two of them we need to stay away from. At all costs, stay away from them. So the first one is the power of the controlled tongue. The power of the controlled tongue. But first of all, before we get into that, we need to be mindful... How, how effective the Proverbs are. And what, uh, just as the, the Psalms are to the devotional life, the Proverbs are to our daily lives in order that we may live effectively. So, when we look at the Proverbs, we need to think about practical suggestions that we have for effective living. They contain deep spiritual insights drawn from the experience of men like Solomon and others. So, when we read the Proverbs, we want you to understand that it's, 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 from experience. It's not what somebody is saying from the top of their head. It's not theoretical only, but it comes from practical experience. And so that's why we want to focus on the Proverbs, because they are practical. As James was practical in talking about the tongue being a fire, so are the Proverbs speaking about the same thing. And one of the unique things about the Proverbs also is that they are, they are unique in that they are short, wise, and easy to learn sayings that calls a person to action. And that's what we want to do tonight. We want to call all of us to action with regards to the power of the tongue and how we use our tongues in, in contact with other individuals. Now, one of the things about the Proverbs is they don't argue about doctrine or moral or, or spiritual beliefs because the Proverbs assume we already hold them. And it's right to assume so because as all believers, we should hold those moral and spiritual beliefs. So it doesn't argue those things. It focuses primarily on God. It focuses on his character, his works, his blessings, and it tells us how we can live in a close relationship with God, and in this context, through the use of our tongues. Utilizing the power of the tongue in a positive way, as opposed to the negative way that it can be used uh, to bring about uh, destruction and disorder in the lives of individuals. So with that in mind, let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, and verse 19. It says, when there, are, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Isn't that true? Many times we tell people who talk too much, you need to, you need to be careful, you need to slow down. 
You need to watch it. You, you talk too much and you're going to say the wrong thing. But what Solomon is saying is if you talk too much sooner or later, you're going to say the wrong thing. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's a simple way of putting it. That proverb. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut, speak only when you think you should, and not when you should not. Because many people have gone down into, have crashed and burned as a result of saying the wrong thing. And once we say something, you can't take it back. That little creature is very destructive, and it's also subtle. Proverbs 11, and chapter, chapter 11, and verse 12. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding does what? Keeps Silent. Verse 13 of the same chapter. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Makes you wonder who you should really tell your secrets to, doesn't it? It's just plain stupidity is what Solomon is saying. Just plain stupidity to say bad things about your neighbors. Just doesn't make sense. If you have any ounce of sense, Solomon says, You'll keep quiet, especially with your neighbor, because you never know when you're going to need that neighbor, don't we? You never know when you're going to need that neighbor. And if you say bad things about them, where do you think that help is going to come from when you need it? But he also says in verse 13, a gossiper talks everything he hears. Secrets are only kept by true friends. A gossiper reveals everything. I knew a brother who used to say, you know, he used to come to me sometimes and we're in the, converse, in the course of a conversation. And he would say, no, nah, I'm supposed to tell you this, but... And I got to the point where I would say, when he said that, I said, okay, see you later, I'm gone. Or I would say, you know, I don't want to hear it. And just stop him dead in his tracks. Because he's revealing to me, or he's about to reveal to me, something that someone told him, and they said to him, I don't want you to tell anybody else this. So a talebearer reveals secrets. A gossiper tells everything they hear. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16. A fool's anger is known at once. But a prudent man conceals dishonor. In other words, losing your temper is really a stupid thing to do. It's stupid. Ignoring an insult, insult rather, is a smart thing to do. And when do people lose their temper? When they think they're insulted. When someone says something that goes across the grain or rubs them the wrong way. And they become, they, they, their anger is inflamed. Well, Proverbs tells us that ignoring an insult is really a smart thing to do. In other words, don't let it get to you. Now all this is in the, in, in the context of the power of a tongue that is supposed to be effective. The power of a controlled tongue. When we lose our tempers, we have a tendency to say things that we should not say. So all that Solomon is saying here, all that the Proverbs is talking about here in these verses is talking in the context of the power of how we can exercise the power of a controlled town. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his, what? His life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to what? Whatever you know, keep it to yourself. And you'll be safe. You'll be okay. Talk too much on your history. Your toast. You're done for. Is what Proverbs is saying. The power of a controlled tongue can save an individual's life. Can prevent a person from peril. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stirs up what? Anger. Anger. 
Harsh words inflame anger. A kind response soothes anger. When a person is angry, you don't want to do anything to inflame their anger to make them angrier because you're going to be the brunt of that anger. Isn't that so? You want to say something that's going to calm them down or just get out of the way. And so Solomon says, a kind response soothes anger, angry feelings. But a sharp tongue, and you know we got some people who have some sharp tongues and they're quick to use them. That is not the way that we are supposed to use these tongues of ours. Notice that a sharp tongue does, no, does nothing but fire up anger or flame up or fire up an angry temper. Again, the power of the controlled tongue is important. Proverbs 15.4 A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Kind words help and heal like good medicine, Solomon is saying. And we all can testify to medicine that we have taken and for some particular ailment that worked very well. We call it good medicine. Someone was asking Oscar today about something for back pains. And of course, we recommend things to people when they work good for us. Well, a controlled tongue is good medicine. How we use our tongues can be good medicine for others, good medicine for us. But he says deceitful words have a potential not only to hurt and to harm, but to maim. In other words, they can leave a damage, they can leave damage and injury that can leave people crippled for the rest of their lives. Forget about that old outage that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's a life in the pit of hell. Many people can testify to the fact that words have inflicted harm on them that has maimed them for life. The power of a controlled tongue is very important for the believer to have. 1528. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Very important. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mother of the wicked pours out evil things. Good people think carefully or godly people think carefully. Godly people think prayerfully about what they're going to say or what their response or what their answer is going to be uh, to individuals. On the other hand, wicked people speak evil without even thinking about it. And we do that sometimes, don't we? We talk, we open our mouths, we use our tongues without thinking. And it creates damage that cannot be repaired in some cases. 16.23, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. The heart of the wise does what? Tells your mouth what to say, or tells your tongue how it should behave, put another way. But notice what it does. If you are wise and speak sensibly, you can persuade others. Don't we all like to persuade others? We like to be persuasive. We would like people to do things that we tell them to do, or we want them to do, or we wish them to do. And what Solomon is saying here is that the, the one who speaks from a wise heart, who controls his tongue in a sensible, biblical, God-honoring way, is able to persuade others. Now think about that when we think about presenting the gospel. You want to be able to persuade individuals to come to Christ. Well, you need to speak to them from a wise heart. Many times, I remember a fellow one time who said to a fellow, you saved? The fellow says, no, and I interested and he said, well, go to hell. Did that help? Of course it didn't help. He should have used words that came from a wise heart and he would have been a lot more persuasive. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like letting water out. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Isn't that smart? Again, the power of the controlled tongue. 
Once an argument starts, it's like a water leak. Anybody ever, ever had a water heater that busted? You tried to stop the water? Tough job, eh? It's like a water leak. But Solomon's advice is put a stop to it before real trouble breaks out. Again, a demonstration of the power of the controlled tongue. And then Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Forget verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. So all fools are not dumb, is the implication there. And even a fool knows that if he keeps silent, he'll be considered wise. Now, the children of God needs to take a lesson from the fool who acts wise in a case like this. It makes a lot of sense to be a person of few words and stay calm, is what Solomon is saying. Even fools appear to be smart when they keep quiet. 2123. 21, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. You can save yourself a whole lot of problems by watching what you say. Many people have gotten into a whole heap of trouble that they could not get out of simply because of an uncontrolled tongue. And then Proverbs 24, 26. He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. In other words, a sign of true friendship is giving an honest answer. Giving an honest answer when it is right. In other words, an honest answer is like a warm hug. There's nothing better than a warm hug. It, it demonstrates true friendship. And so anyone with these, this kind of speech pattern that is described here in these verses of the Proverbs, think before they speak. But not only that, they know that when silent, they know when silence is best. In other words, they know when to be quiet. That too is a sign of the exercising the power of a controlled tongue. Knowing when to be silent. I know sometimes we've been in situations where you really, you've been itching to say something in response to something else. But you said to yourself, you know what? It's better if I keep, better if I keep quiet. Because if I open my mouth, I only get some people in trouble. And the first one would be me. And so the power of the controlled tongue is demonstrated by thinking before we speak, knowing when to be silent, and giving wise advice. And wise advice is biblical advice. They who have, who exercise these traits or these qualities or these patterns have the power of the control tongue. How about you? Do you have the power of the control tongue? Or is your tongue out of control? But then that's only one of the speech patterns that we need to be, that we need to consider. The other one is the power of the caring tongue. You know, we can say some things that exhibit that we just don't care sometimes. But then we can also demonstrate by what we, how we use our tongues that we do care by some of the things that we say. Proverbs 10.32. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverted. In other words, if you obey the Lord, you will always know the right thing to say. 
If you stay in fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with his word, you'll always have the right thing to say to the right person. But the one who will trust you, but no one will trust you if you tell lies. Anyone know anyone who has a habit of telling lies? And you just can't trust anything they say. If they tell you something, you need to go to somebody else and find out if it's true. Because they have a reputation for telling lies. Proverbs 12, 18. 12, 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words of wisdom bring healing to those who are confronted with it. But sharp, rash, and brash words cut and maims like an instrument of destruction. Like a sword. Like a sword can cut, so can words cut. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word makes it what? Glad. Makes it glad. Worry is like a heavy burden. But a kind word always brings cheer. The power of the careful tongue. Do we exercise it in our daily goings and comings? Do people walk away from us after the use of our tongues or after being, or after having a confrontation with our, our tongues and feel good? Or do they walk away and feel devastated and demoralized? We've had situations in ministry where individuals were actually demoralized by the use of the tongue. So much so that they didn't even want to serve in ministry anymore. So we see how destructive this creature can be. Proverbs 15.23 A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. Giving the right answer at the right time, at the right moment, in the right situation, can make people happy, can make people feel good. Rather than walking away feeling bad. And you are the one who inflicted that injury. 1624. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Kind words are like honey. They cheer you up and make you feel strong and vibrant, energetic, and encouraged and edified. 2515. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Patience and gentle talk have a way of convicting a ruler and overcoming any problem. Run into a person who's got a real problem, who's really getting on people's cases. You talk to them in the right way, and you can get around the problem. Or you can minimize the problem that may, other people may run into. And so the power of a caring tongue is very important for you and I, especially members of the body of Christ, as we move about and have our being. And we rub shoulders with individuals because it reflects the life of Christ that is living within our hearts and in our lives. And so anyone with this speech pattern, speak truthfully in a way that encourages the hearers. And we always want to encourage people that we come in contact with. We don't want anyone to come in contact with us and walk in a way feeling devastated or feeling worse than they did when they confronted us. And so those are two patterns of speech that it's good for us to practice in our daily lives as we move about. But then there are two other patterns of speech that we need to be able to recognize and stay away from and advise against whenever we see them happening 
in the lives of others, or when we have an indication that they're happening in our own lives. And that is the power of the conniving tongue. The power of the conniving tongue. We have got some people out there who can really do some serious conniving and uh, utilize their tongues in the wrong way. Proverbs 16, 12. It is an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts, for a throne is established on righteousness. Verse 13. Righteous lips are the light of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. Verse 14. The fury of a king is like messengers of death. But a wise man will appease it. Sound leadership has a moral foundation. And many times we find that the conniving tongue is most evident in areas of leadership. But Solomon is saying to us, good leaders despise wrongdoing of every single kind. That's what he said in these verses. In other words, good, good leaders cultivate honesty, Honest speech, love advisors who tell the truth, and who, try, who don't try to cover up. But Solomon is also telling us that a hot-headed leader causes confusion in the lives of all that they come in contact with. And it's smart to stay clear of someone like that. Such is the exercise of the demonstration of the power of a conniving tongue. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. In other words, if you hate evil and you respect the Lord. If you hate evil, you respect the Lord like he does. God says, I hate pride and conceit and deceitful lies. Those are the things that God hates. And those are the things that are exhibited through the power of a conniving tongue. And he says, we ought to stay away from that. A perverse man, Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A slanderer separates intimate friends. Attacking them with clubs, swords, and sharp hours is what telling lies about friends is like. We never think about that, do we? Do you ever think about attacking a friend with clubs, spears, and knives when we tell lies? But that's what it's like. Many people have talked about how they've been cut to the heart by what other individuals have said about them. Not directly to them, but about them. Again, the power, the destructive power of the conniving tongue. Uh, Proverbs 26 and verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down or becomes silent. A fire goes out when there's no fuel to fuel it, doesn't it? A fire goes out when there's no wood to put on it. And so where there's no gossip, arguments come to an end. Again, the power of the conniving tongue. 2621, like charcoal to hot embers and good and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. In the same way, again, in the same way that fire and wood fuels fire, that spa, uh, fuel and wood fuels a fire, so troublemakers start trouble. The power of the conniving tongue. But then here's a good one. 
The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. Proverbs 26, 22. And they go down into the innermost parts of the body. There's nothing so delicious and tasty as gossip. Isn't that true? Why ain't nobody saying that? We know it's true, right? People are always looking for it. Child, I get one good one for you. Or I get one juicy one for you. Is what, what we hear. It's like cotton candy, I say. It melts in the mouth. Nothing like a good piece of juicy gossip. Well, when we exercise or when we indulge in that, we are, act, we are indulging in the activities of a conniving tongue. Stay away from it. It's no good for us. And so a person with these, and there's some, many other verses that we don't have time to go into in the Proverbs as well, that speak about the power of the conniving tongue. But those who exercise this pattern of speech are full of wrong motives, gossip, slander, and a desire to twist the truth. Mostly a desire to twist the truth. They exercise the power of a conniving tongue. Let's stay away from it, but let's, let's be able to recognize it when we see it in the lives of others and be able to advise them wisely through the use of a caring tongue. Because that's how we can combat the conniving tongue, through the use of a caring tongue, advising individuals wisely. It's okay to say to an individual when you hear them using uh, the, the, the powers or the demonstration of a conniving tongue to advise them on, on what they should do. After all, we are our brother's keepers. And it's something that we should do. But then there's another pattern of speech that we want to go through real quickly. And that is the power of the careless tongue. We have the power of the control tongue, which is good. The power of the caring tongue, which is good. But then there's the power of the conniving tongue, which is bad. And finally, the power of the careless tongue. Four speech patterns. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips. And he who spreads slander is a fool. You can hide your hatred by telling lies, but spreading lies makes you a fool. The power of a careless tongue. Proverbs 10.32 The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverted. In other words, a good person's words, or a person who uses their tongue in the right way, clears the air. A person who uses it in the wrong way does nothing but adds pollution to it. It's what Solomon is getting across to us here. Proverbs 11.9 With his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Gossip is used by dishonest people to destroy individuals that they have problems with or they have something against. Most cases it's neighbors. But by their own good senses, good people are protected, Solomon says. Good advice from a wise man on how to stay away from the careless tongue. Proverbs 79, he who conceals a transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. How many times have we been there? We know something bad about someone and we spread it to somebody else. Well, let me tell you about so-and-so. If it's bad, you don't want to spread it. You want to conceal a matter because that demonstrates love. To spread it to others is a demonstration of a careless tongue. If you forgive your friends, you'll keep them. If you keep talking about them in the wrong way, then you're going to lose them. Isn't that true? 
Very true. Proverbs 17 or 2019. He who goes about as a slander reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Do not associate with a gossip. Stay away from gossipers. All they do is talk everything they hear. They have, they have, they have a reputation for that. Stay away from them. Don't indulge in it with them. And then the, finally, Proverbs 21, 25, 23. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue an angry countenance. As surely as rain blows from the north, cruel words are caused by anger. And so persons who resort to these speech patterns, the patterns of a careless tongue, are filled with lies, they're filled with curses, they are quick-tempered in terms of their words, and they can often also initiate rebellion and destruction uh, in the lives of those that they come in contact with. They exercise the power of a careless tongue. Stay away from them. Advise them if you come and contact them on how to have a controlled tongue and a careful tongue. It's our responsibility once we know God holds us responsible. And then remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as we close. Uh, Matthew twelve thirty six. He says, but I tell you, that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. Verse 37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. How we use our tongues, we're going to have to give an account for. You can use your tongue as a gentle giant, or you could use it as a Godzilla of destruction and ruin a whole lot of lives, leave a whole lot of broken, burned, and wrecked lives along the way uh, on, the, on the pilgrimage of your life. The power of the tongue is in your control and in my control. Now, we may say, well, what Jesus is saying is, is, uh, sounds like a threat. No, it's not a threat, it's a promise. Jesus doesn't make threats. He makes promises. And so you can see what Jesus is saying here and take it as a promise. He says, I promise you, there is coming a day of judgment when everyone is going to have to give an account for the way they use their tongues. Don't mind what people say, but washing your mouth out with soap. That doesn't work. It's not the mouth that's the problem, it's the tongue that's the problem. And of course, the challenge we have as we leave here tonight is to remember that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who live, those who love it, will eat its fruit. We have the accountability, we have the responsibility as members of the body of Christ is to advise individuals whom we come in contact with from our own personal experience and example on how to, we are to use this little creature that we call the tongue in a way that honors God glorifies God so that blessing and cursing will not come from the same member but all that comes from this member will be uplifting, encouraging and edifying to those that we come in contact with. May the Lord challenge our hearts to do just that as we go out and we go about our days and our activities and our encounters may we remember these four speech patterns the power of the control tongue the power of the caring tongue power of the conniving tongue and the power of the careless tongue. Which one will you demonstrate as you go? Let's bow for prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you this evening that 
We don't have any excuses whatsoever for living lives and using our tongues in a way that is destructive to the lives of others. In other words, Father, you cover all the bases on how we are to live our lives effectively. And uh, you give us clear illustrations from experience of others, like Solomon, on how we are to use our tongues in a way that is to be honoring to you, so that from this one little member, both blessing and cursing will not come, but blessing, so that all those who come in into a confrontation with our tongues will leave blessed and encouraged and uplifted. We pray also, Lord, that as we leave here, we may be mindful that there are others that we need to advise and counsel on how they use their tongues that we come in contact with, perhaps on our jobs, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. There are individuals that we hear constantly using their tongues in a destructive manner, in the wrong way. Now, Lord, you've given us the responsibility of advising them contrary to the way that they have been using their tongues. And we pray, Lord, that in this body of Christ, we would use our tongues only for blessing and uplifting those whom we share the kingdom of heaven with. Be pleased now, Lord, we pray, to dismiss us with your blessed benediction as we give you thanks in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. The Lord bless you and make you a blessing as you go.